You're listening to the Philly Soccer Pod. This week, the Union play to a dull 0-0 draw and face the Red Bulls this Saturday. Plus MLS fantasy tips and this weekend's best games. Let's go. Well, it was another frustrating one. I'm Will McQuillan, Joe and Matthew with me today as always, and guys, what happened in this LA game? That was a boring, boring game. I think 99% of the game was played between the two boxes, almost no action in front of either goal besides in the first five minutes when the Union made a series of comedic mistakes, but really just a boring game, and Harris Mundunian did a couple nice things that got me to perk up a little bit, but that was a boring game. And I was a little more interested in it, or intently focused on it than maybe you were, Matthew. I mean, I guess it was boring because there was no scoring and virtually no shooting on goal. But uh, it just seemed it was two inept teams going at each other, both trying desperately to break out of their slumps and make something happen, and they both kind of failed. Usually at this point, I go through you know goals, assists, red cards, um, but there really were none. Uh, there was a shot that went off both posts from L.A. center back Joao Pedro uh, in the first half, and and that was it. Yeah, the one volley from Roland Allberg that kind of scuffed off the ground and probably would have gone in if it hadn't been tipped over the top of the bar, but that was the most excitement offensively from the Union, except for that one hard shot from Adunin and that went a little bit wide. It was a similar lineup to what we'd seen the game before against Montreal, where the Union at least came out looking good. Uh, with the exception of Fafa Pico in for Ilsenio. And what what happened? What didn't work? Well, Roland Allberg reverted to the type of game where he just kind of runs around, not even running really, jogs around, and tries to get in a position to get the ball, but nobody's giving him the ball. And it's partially his fault, partially his teammates' fault, but he did not impact the game at all. And that, I think that's the big difference offensively between the two games. And on a more positive note, I mean, I saw a couple of positives. I, I, I kind of like the... I've been, Harshing on Bedoya recently, but I kind of liked the way he played in this game. He was hustling on both sides of the ball, trying to make things happen, uh, playing good, aggressive defense. Um, so I, I thought that was positive. And then, you know, Jim Curtin seems to be pulling out every trick that he thinks he can within this fixed formation that the, that he's set into, putting in Fafa and later on Simpson and uh, CJ Sapong at the same time. So I it seems like they're trying to make things happen. And I guess if you look at a 0-0 tie, getting one point in L.A., historically that'd be a, a nice thing to walk away with. But it, it seemed a little dissatisfying this time. Yeah, I agree with you about Bedoya. I think he played pretty well. I want to talk a little bit about Pico um, because he was a guy that we've been talking about as maybe a guy that should come in for Ilsenio or Pontius um, and hopefully would be able to make an impact. And he really didn't. Um, he seemed like he was in over his head some. I was pretty disappointed, honestly. Uh, his teammates really tried to feed him, let him run down the flanks, but he just couldn't do it. I don't know if it was the defense or just that he couldn't do it. He didn't seem as fast as I thought he was going to be, and he's also pretty slight, and it was getting banged off the ball pretty easily. One thing that we also saw a lot of in this game was the Union kicking the ball out of L.A.'s end of the field, uh, whether it was Richie Marquez on a clearance, I think Fabinho had a couple, even C.J. Sapong maybe trying to play a through ball. I wouldn't even call those clearances. That was an attempt to generate offense, but that's not the way you do it. You can't just lob it in and hope that one of your players will beat out four of LA's players. 
And if you're going to lob it in with that hope, and I'm going to direct this one to Richie Marquez, for God's sake, would you please keep it in play? Quit, quit, put it over the end line. How many times? Four times in the first half at least? It was driving me insane. I thought Jack Elliott had a pretty good game um, defensively and also getting forward. But in case you can't tell, we're kind of struggling for things to talk about with this game. Usually the segment goes a little longer, but I think we'll get right to the Twitter reaction um, that we'll react to. First one from at Mike underscore SOB 3704. A draw away at LA would normally be totally okay. Not this year, not right now. I would agree. If you had shown me this result before the season started, I would have been pretty happy with a draw at LA. But that's not okay now because the Union haven't won in how many days? Like 240? Since August. Since August. Yeah. And I don't, I can't give the team that kind of leniency anymore. From Richard Farley and Ryan Rosenblatt, uh, both national journalists, all right, from Farley, LA's Galaxy Zero, Philadelphia Zero, and I have decided we all watch too much soccer. And then Rosenblatt responds, that wasn't soccer, though. Yeah, that was an ugly, boring game. But I got to tell you, I've been watching a lot of MLS this weekend. There's a lot of bad teams out there. So I take a little, I'm, I've still got a flicker of hope that there's some life to be had during this season because there's a lot of bad teams playing some bad soccer out there right now. Speaking of bad teams, if you look, if you think about bad teams, you have Montreal, you have LA, the Union's last two games. With the Union, those two teams constitute the bottom three teams in the league, and if the Union can't get a result against either of them, how are they going to do anything? From at Union Soccer Talk, a point on the road, no matter what the circumstance, is the most important result. Union Nation, do you agree? No. Three points is pretty much all that's acceptable anymore because I'm sick of seeing 0-0 draws where the Union have nothing going forward unless we're going to see a change in the club. From the Sons of Ben, man of the match, hashtag LAVPHI. And then the two options in the poll are right post and left post. Left post. From at Chris underscore Macoid. 16 straight without a goddamn win. Effing fire Jim Curtin. It's just to the point of ridiculousness. I share the frustration uh, and the profanity, but not here on the podcast. Yeah, um, I'm not. You know, I've been calling for Curtin for a little while, but I, I, I'm not even sure that's the right answer at this stage. It's the problem is deeper than Jim Curtin. Uh, from at Philadupe, bend but not break. Solid performance. Oh, and uh, and then he tags Fabinho. Make sure to take Alessandrini out of your pocket. This was something that we didn't talk about. Fabinho actually did put in a pretty good defensive performance this game. I thought Fabinho did pretty well, but the rest of the defense was underwhelming, in my opinion. All right, and last one, a short quote from Jim Curtin. Quote, that was the goal for the night he's talking about, earning a point on the road. I think the goal for every night should be to get a win. Yeah, I cannot, I hate that attitude that, I wouldn't say it permeates soccer, but, you know, if, if that's Curtin's mindset, then that's ridiculous. It's throwback night this week down at Talon Energy Stadium, so maybe the Union can throw back to 2011 and beat the Red Bulls. Any chance this happens? I'd say there's a slight chance, but only because the Red Bulls are coming off a mid midweek game when they come to Chester. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think the Union are gonna pull this one out. Uh, the Red Bulls are a pretty decent team. They're playing pretty fluidly, and we you know, we all know how the Union are struggling right now. So unfortunately, I think the streak continues. Well, as much as I'd like to see that happen and, and have the Union beat the Red Bulls, I think guys like Bradley Wright Phillips, Sasha Question, Luis Robles, and 
even more mid-range players like Daniel Royer and Alex Mule uh, really are just going to be too much for the Union to take, uh, especially because Red Bull uh, spreads the ball around so well, passing really fluidly and smoothly, uh, which is something the Union have difficulty with, especially when it comes to marking guys on you know running in. Uh, I just think it's going to be too much for the Union to take. I'm with you. And New York does move the ball around well. After I watch a Union game and then I turn to another game, like watching the Red Bulls, it's it's surprising to me how quickly and smoothly and fluidly other teams are playing. Uh, yeah, I watched uh, the Atlanta game earlier today. Ball's flying around the field. And with the unit, it's like a little pa- dinker pass here, a little pass there, and then hoofing it down the field. And it's just a different level of play right now. I agree, and I think it's going to be especially noticeable on Saturday because the Red Bulls are going to be able to move it around. The Union don't really like to get in the face of their opponents when they're possessing in their own half. And the Red Bulls love to go and disrupt possession. Yeah, Bradley Wright Phillips also, you know, the Union have been passing around the back very slowly. He's a guy who's going to get in there and try and steal a cheap one. Lineup-wise for the Union, are we sure of what lineup Jim Curtin's going to put out? There's been a lot of changes recently. I am willing to bet money that it's going to be the same lineup, except that Elsinia will start if he's healthy. Why? The Union didn't lose, and they didn't look absolutely awful, and Curtin's not one to change his ways. And he needs to be changing his ways more dramatic, dramatically. This four-two-three-one is not working. I mean, I would be even happy to see uh, Simpson and Sapong out there as a, you know, at least two forwards up there. Um, I'd like to see Simpson have more of an opportunity this coming week. He, you know, with the minutes that he got in this LA game, he handled the ball well. He's good. He's got good feet, and he has good soccer sense. It seems to me. I think he just needs a little more opportunity to make something happen. Can't help but think that he'd be able to find a little more space if he had a partner, striker partner next to him to go and occupy the defenders. Look, I can talk about that all day. I just don't think it's going to happen. Predictions for this game, we know it's wildly inaccurate, but guys, I want to hear a scoreline and goal scorers. I think the Union are going to win one nothing, and I think it's going to be Harris Madunian. Are you serious? I'm serious. Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Unfortunately, I'm going to predict a 2-0 loss with a... Cascade of booze at the end of the game. 4-0, the team just crumples. Um, question uh, and, and Bright Phillips run rampant. All right, it's MLS fantasy time. Matthew's consistently in the top 5% of all MLS fantasy players, and right now he's going to give us some tips. This segment will also discuss the best games from this coming weekend. All right, so it's a double game week this week for four teams. One of those teams is Toronto FC, and they're chock full of great fantasy picks. I'd steer clear of the midfield, but their defense and their offense, uh, Javinko, Altador, and then all their defenders, really, are great picks. It's a really good, well-organized team. Spe- sticking with the double game week, uh, Sporting Kansas City's defense, I mentioned this last week, but they are the best defense in the league far and away. Uh, they're playing at home for one of these games, and I think they're going to get a shutout for sure. Just remind me what players are on that defense. Uh, Iko Parra, Seth Sinovic, uh, Jimmy Madronda is classified as a defender, but they've been deploying him as a striker, so that's an opportunity for more points. Finally, Jovan Jones, I think this is the third time I've mentioned him, but uh, he had two assists last week, and he's risen 10% in value this season, so he's a really, he's a guy to watch. All right, let's get to the best games. Uh, I'm interested in the Atlanta-NYC game. Atlanta is a really fun team to watch, and NYC also with all their star power. I'm looking forward to seeing Houston against Orlando. Uh, I watched Houston this past weekend against Toronto, and 
They looked pretty fluid and smooth, although they couldn't finish. And then Orlando, boy, they're you know near. Are they at the top of the table or near the top of the table? Somewhere around there. And uh, they're playing good soccer, and I think a lot of it is attributable to their coach, Jason Kreiss, a man who has changed their formation at least twice this season, um, which our coach would look at and see is a good way to run his team. I'm going to go with the MLS Cup rematch, Seattle versus Toronto in Seattle. Uh, we saw Javinko and Altidore combined for a nice goal last week. Ladero from Seattle is always a pleasure to watch. It's going to be packed, uh, I mean, I would think. They always do pretty well in Seattle, and I'm looking forward to watching that one. That's going to do it for this episode. We release new ones every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher.com, and SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter at PhillySoccerPod. I'm now at Will McQuillan, no longer at WMCQ19, and Matthew's at Matt underscore McQuill. Comments, questions, or reactions can be tweeted at us there or emailed to us at PhillySoccerPod at gmail.com. Ratings and comments on iTunes and Stitcher are essential for getting a show like ours publicity, so please be sure to tell your friends and leave those reviews. It's super quick. For Joe and Matthew, I'm Will McQuillan. We'll see you next week.